I'm doing pretty good. Um, keeping, keeping myself busy, keeping my, my mind active with, you know, problem solving different ideas. Yeah. You are a problem right. solver. Yeah. Not just a creative <laughs> director and a uh, marketing specialist and you work at CBC and we're going to get into that. That's a big deal for, uh, for any Calgary or Alberta person who works for CBC. Um, you know, that's a big deal. So we'll get into that more. <laughs> But you know, Catherine, we've known you for so long and we've literally got to work with you. A lot of our people that we have on, um, on the show I'm here with, you know, maybe we're just meeting through PR people, but you were a staple when we first met you just, you know, what is a creative director? You know, a lot of people look at you like you're the manager of, you know, if there's an event and you go to Catherine, your name is like, Catherine, 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 we need you. (laughs) Seeing you at, at these events where how everyone comes up to you. Um, you're like the mama bear of the whole thing and you keep it together. But also you run, um, you're the creative director for Future Oceans and you're giving back. You know, you really want to see um, the pollution uh, issue being handled and you've done events for that. So let's get into what is a creative director to you and how you started doing that. Oh, sure. Um, You know, creative director is, it's probably just um, the best title for the kind of work that I do or creative producer. Um, Basically, a creative director is is the person who oversees and and executes the creative vision. So it's it's a different, it's a it's a unique part of an organization. It's a a different part of running the business. Um, And it, it has everything to do with what what that organization's creative vision is. So my job would then be to build a team of creative people, uh, creative professionals that would help execute the vision. So that's, that's, I think it's the best definition for me because that's ultimately what I do. Um, I usually sit on the board of several people and everybody handles their own portion of it. And when we decide what the creative vision is for the project, um, I build a team. And that's my favorite part of it. I think <laughs> so. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Friendships and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bonding that goes that goes on in those projects. You know, they're they're big challenges. It's usually against all odds. And um, there are awesome experiences to go through. So if you build the right team, then um, everybody has a really positive experience, you know, and that's I guess that's probably always been my ultimate goal is to make sure that it's a positive experience for everybody um, and that nobody walks away having a negative experience yes this has happened you know I was going to ask you down the road the the struggles of what what it is you do because being somebody who's a marketing specialist a lot of people nowadays being online and everything they are going to this researching of what this is and hiring people to help because to make your business you know, a global brand, there, it's more than just one person's vision and uh, dream. So I always say to people like, when, you know, even for my own magazine itself, like I need a marketing specialist, somebody who knows what they're doing. So I encourage people to hire um, people in your position because you have thrown together, not thrown together, but you have organized uh, such beautiful events that really up the Alberta like view, you know, the make fashion that we went to that you were heading one year um, for a certain designers in the fashion show. 
uh, we got to see you behind the scenes. It was kind of the beginning of like filming and doing behind the scenes stuff actually when we shot you. Um, let's go into how you got into the fashion industry in Calgary. Oh, absolutely. Well, I got into the fashion industry um, originally through the wedding industry. Um, well, actually, before that, it would be through my textiles degree um, at the Alberta College of Art and Design at the time. It's now called Alberta University of the Arts. Um, so I did an interdisciplinary degree there in metalsmithing and textiles. So I really got into fashion, but from a really artistic point of view, um, I was fascinated. My first eye-opening fashion show was Art Awareness, and um, that was artists who had created wearable art. Um, I had never been to a commercial fashion show, so that was my first introduction to fashion. So I think um, I was instantly, uh, I had a different idea of what fashion could be. And it had nothing to do with what I was seeing in magazines. You know, it was like, it was a, it was an example of creativity and it was, it was an opportunity to wear art on your body and make a statement using yourself and your person. And that was really intriguing to me. So I became really fascinated with art awareness and started following um, other cool artistic fashion shows like Burst. Do you remember Burst, the fashion show where all of the garments were made out of glass? Oh, like, yeah, and that was in Calgary as well. I think that was 2014, was it? Or 2015? But it was a, a beautiful fashion show. So I got into um, things like that, just, just really outside of the box, just really challenging uh, people's perception of what fashion is and, and why fashion is worn in the first place. Why, what, what do we consider fashion? So I, I might have a different definition of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just as beautiful you know well in the video we'll overlay some photos from the fashion shows that you've done you integrate music into your fashion shows before and it is the most colorful thing you've ever seen when it's wearable fashion it's big it's bold there's lights there's leds there's technology behind it and there's a lot of people that are really smart that created this fashion so absolutely it's, it's a different it's different it's not just about ego and it was really new i remember when i first kind of approached you i think it was after i had met you but it was all over the news it was the newest thing like wearable fashion and in Calgary really was pushing that within Canada a lot more than most cities at the time so it had been it blew up it was huge when you put that event on and promoting it uh it brought the community together you know I met so many amazing people I think how many people were at that big fashion event that you put on I can't remember um, what the first the first big production I did for make fashion I believe we had about 400 or 500 people at and then it increased every year after that I produced all of their fashion shows for about four years a little over four years um, including internationally anytime they had a fashion show I I produced it mm. and what you're talking about was actually a really important part of the recipe for the success of that show um when they first approached me, they had a group of engineers and makers, they called them, people who make things, right? A really exciting group of people. Um, I shouldn't say they weren't all engineers, but they had engineering mindset, you know? Um, a couple of them were actually uh, taking engineering courses. Um, a lot of them in computer science courses, you know, just really fascinating people. They, these were not fashion designers. These were not artists. They have no, no artistic training or background whatsoever. They have a fascination with how things work and how things are built. So um, there's a, 
there's a phenomenon that goes around the world. It's called Maker Fair, where, where these types of people can get together and they can innovate. It's like a science fair. They can innovate and they can experiment and they can create things and show each other what they've created and hopefully evolve these ideas. Um, so that's the group that Make Fashion was originally dealing with, was makers. And so when I was approached, um, they had had a party at their art gallery one night and um, they had encouraged people to wear the things that they were making and they were combining electronics with, with items of clothing that they already owned. They were pinning the electronics to it and enhancing things. And some of them were even going as far as to construct an item of clothing. Um, again, these are not fashion designers. They were just making it happen. And I loved that passion. I loved that, that kind of like no barriers attitude to it. Like, you may not know how to do it, but you'll figure it out this one time for this one project, right? So I really was fascinated by that. And they wanted to have a real fashion show. They wanted to know what was involved in that and how to put one of those together. So um, that was when we met and I was like, oh, no problem. <laughs> fashion shows are what I do. So at that time, um, you know, I had my I had my artistic background, I had my textile degree, um, and I was working in the wedding industry really closely with not just industry professionals, but the very best of the best in the industry. And that was all thanks to Calgary Bride and Lux Magazine. Um, yeah. So Lynn Fletcher and, and just the amazing um, empire that she built there. Uh, so I was very fortunate to have that position and to have those contacts. And so what I did was um, I was able to sometimes bring in people who were interested in, in some of the things I was interested in. You know, if they approached me and said, like, I'm fascinated by this project, what you're working on. Great. Would you like to? Unfortunately, everybody at Make Fashion was a volunteer. So it was very I had to be very careful there because that's not one of my value sets at this point in my life I really believe in paying creatives um, especially creative professionals so that was probably the hardest part of it was managing those relationships but they they trusted me because they had worked with me for so many years already on the magazine and they were getting published regularly and so I, I had a few relationships that I felt comfortable enough bringing in to make fashion and that's how we kicked off their very first fashion show their actual very first real fashion show and after that we, we just kind of improved upon the recipe. Um, I very quickly, once I realized there was going to be multiple shows, I very, very quickly uh, brought in my friend, Matt LaPrairie, who's my partner in crime yeah. on everything. I shouldn't say, not crime, but <laughs> my partner, my business partner. partner. <laughs> betcha. So I very quickly brought him into the fold. And after that, it was just, we, we have our system, we have our processes that we that we rely upon, that we built together. It's kind of like our secret sauce, our little recipe. And yeah. Matt and I can pretty much handle any show anywhere in the world with any number of models. We've done shows with 45 models that didn't speak English. We had translators. Um, he's done a fashion show on a speed train in Germany. You know, yeah. I've done fashion shows in a typhoon. So we've, we've done so many really cool things together. And it was always, even if we weren't in the same place, we were always working side by side in tandem from different countries or different wow. cities, whatever it may be. Always Matt and I. Yeah. And, and that's what, how NTA was born. Right, yeah. right. We're going to get into that as well. Um, <laughs> when you first did uh, the first big make uh, fashion maker show, yeah. that led you to traveling. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah, that was a great experience. You had people reaching out to you saying, oh my gosh, you need to bring this to Europe. 
We sure did. We've never talked about that, Catherine. Yeah. I'm like, you went to Europe by yourself. Like what happened with that experience? When Because everything to you, you were creating it new. No one had even gone through doing what you use. One of a kind kind of shows that you put on. So I felt kind of like, how did you feel about all that? Do you know that you're like an icon in the oh no in the fashion industry especially alberta like if not you know bringing it to other countries that's that's a big deal let's talk about when you first got another opportunity after that how did that happen for you sure sorry so um you mean are you talking about the ireland show or uh, well, the the, the oh. future oceans was is a different thing. Yes, I mean, Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. Yeah, but I mean the ones that Matt went to um, Europe yes. and you're bringing all your costumes. Like, how did that happen? The orchestration of yeah. people reaching out to you in Europe. Well, after we did our first big show, so when I create a production, one of the things that I promise right off the bat is I say, you know, we're going to be spending okay, nowadays, I would say we're going to be spending money on, on photographers in the past. I would say, I'm going to try to find some awesome photographers who will volunteer. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we were very lucky to have people who stepped up because they trusted and offered to volunteer to photograph our first fashion shows and even video, uh, take video footage. Paul Spinard was mm. a champion for the cause of make fashion and he videotaped almost every minute of make fashion and all of the people who participated in it. Because of that footage, we were able to create creative assets that were, the, that were sent around the world, that were used on social media, that were put on our website, that were used to create our identity. Your brand, as yeah. soon as that went, as soon as that was sh- like um, recognized in articles or as soon as we got any media coverage whatsoever, people started contacting us. And that's how that happened. They contacted us just wanting to know what would be involved in having a fashion show. That happened several times. And every time that happened, um, I would work with the team and uh, we would create a budget. We would create a proposal, a multiple page proposal with all these images in it. We would also have a plan. We would propose specific designers who we knew could produce, you know, to the standard that we needed for that show. Because you really, when you're negotiating with someone for an actual contract like that, you have to be able to guarantee results. Yeah. So you can't, the shows that we did that were all volunteer and the community coming together, there were always um, fires to be put out. Things were, were never smooth. There were always challenges to overcome. We couldn't always guarantee perfect results for those shows, but it was okay because we didn't have a client, you know, so we could really be really, really free and really creative and really bold, you know, because we didn't have a client to disappoint. So we, we had the public your, who yeah. may not like something and we had to be careful, you know, what our messages were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you have a client, it's a completely different ball game. You know, you have to do risk assessments. You have to have insurance. You you have every every single person involved has to have some kind of a contract or an agreement and a and a very clear understanding of their expectations and what they're going to take away from it. So it's a different ball game. So yeah. there was a whole 
process. So that's, but that's usually how it would start is I would create the draft of the budget and the proposal. It would go to the team. The team would all put in their input. And eventually after a week or two of editing in the circle of the four of us, uh, we would have a finished proposal ready to go. We would send that off to the client and they would either say, oh, no, thank you. We thought it was free. Or they would say, sounds great. Let's set up a meeting, you know, and we'll discuss the next step. And when they said, sounds great, let's set up a meeting. That's when we knew that we were, we were hopefully going to have a show. <laughs> and yeah, so people would contact us from, you know, it was always a surprise. Uh, people from China, or we had op the opportunity to, to go to China because that's where our sponsor was. Seed Studios sent us technology to the fashion design teams that we created. They used to send us boxes of technology and they would then take that technology and incorporate it into their projects and put it on the runway. See, this, whole, this fed this wow. whole ecosystem. Then all of the photographs that we were able to get and the video footage we were able to get was also you know, it would benefited the company that sponsored us because they would get that incredible footage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. World-class photography. I mean, like these were the best of the best, right? These were not just, you know, so that's how it started. And then we just maintained that for a few years, you know? Yeah, it was a big thing. Everybody wanted yeah. to be part of it. You guys like created like a lot of models, like, um, yeah. well, I can't remember her name right now, but she's a Romanian gal like I am. Um, um, was it Marilee Jane or? Uh, I think it was Matt Laprine. Earlier ones. Uh, yeah. Ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And um, you had made oh, her uh, with Zev Abosh. I think she did a lot of photo shoots. A big fan of her. And yes. you guys Alex. made her famous in the city. <laughs> what you guys did. Oh, yeah. Her, her well, we definitely worked. hired her many times. Definitely. And all and Millie, I believe, the model on Instagram and some, you know, some of the most beautiful girls that you guys got in Alberta that were not being utilized because the industry there, right, is very different than New York or L.A. or even Toronto and Vancouver. So I felt like you guys were the modeling agents, like the creative modeling opportunity in life. And you got, you yourself gave me an opportunity. Believe it or not. And I've never been like, looked like that in ever. And you know, it was so funny when we had met, I was like, I trust her. All right, let's do this. I've never done this before in life. And it was like an experience to really get to know you, but also like everybody in life would want it to be in that Lux magazine. It was national and a huge It was a thing. beautiful magazine. So I just feel like I hope the audience when they listen to you, they really see that, wow, there is a business to doing the arts business. And a lot of people oh. talk about that. So I feel so happy you kind of shared that because it shows you can, you can dive deep into contracts, doing it right, or you can have fun with it. You know, everybody does their own thing, oh, yeah. but what you've built uh, has followed you, you know, with the work that you've put out maybe it was four three years ago two five whatever uh the amount of time for all the stuff you've done but it's still your name it's still your legacy you know now you're in Edmonton and you're working with CBC <laughs> like babe that's huge I'm so proud of you just because um you know you can uh really make a voice for the people you're working uh with you know uh it's national coverage and everything so let's get into you moved to Edmonton you said to yourself yes. as a woman right you'd created all of this crazy stuff in the industry and then it was time for you to focus on you 
I remember when we had talked about that because guys were friends as well behind the scenes and it was just time for a change. I think, you know, you're very in touch with energy and stuff. And it was like kind of a little bit before COVID actually. So I'm really happy you made that transition to Edmonton, but you didn't stop doing what you were doing, even though Edmonton yet again is a different scene for what you're doing. So it's kind of like what, what happened with the whole move with experiencing the change and location? Like, how's that all been for you? Uh, it's been probably one of the best moves I've made for myself. I really needed that change at that time. Um, I was, I, I think I was just at a point where I was tired. I was, I was pushing so hard and trying so hard. And I found myself kind of questioning the things I was fighting for, why I was fighting for them. Um, kind of a, from, from a values point of view, we all do. Um, yeah, I think everybody goes through that phase a few times, maybe in our lives. And we just sort of feel the need to ground ourselves and regroup. And that's what I needed. There had been a lot of changes in my life. Um, in a year, um, we had a a huge show. We've been traveling, um, on a personal level, I was going through a lot of changes too. And so it just seemed like the thing to do was to just go back to my hometown for a little while. I wanted to be closer to my mom and dad for a while too, because I'd been away from them for over 20 years. And I was just, it was just time to kind of touch home, touch home base, you know? So I came home. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, I haven't left because I just, once I got back to my home city, I, which I'd been kind of avoiding for so long going back to Edmonton. I don't know why. Um, but when I got back, I was like, oh yeah, now I kind of remember what's important to me. It's interesting how sometimes just putting yourself in a different place, you just remember, you just remember the things, you know, and you're just, oh, this is what I feel. And this is what I believe. And this feels right. And, and suddenly the conversations I was having with people were totally different, just on a completely different level, you know, and I really needed that. So a lot so, yeah it's been great I've seen a lot from you yeah I remember I remember that the go 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 for those two three years that you were just webinar yeah. um yeah there was no time for you to even like do coffee with people I remember you you felt frustrated that you couldn't have a personal life so much and uh I think a balance of if someone being happy personally energetically you know being able to give and take with people not just always giving uh, and the change for you or whatnot, uh, really the industry kind of, I don't want to say this, but like died, you know, when you left, like the, the initial, okay, let's get, let's get together. <laughs> there has not been anything since, which is unfortunate. Uh, so a lot of models are out of work in Calgary because you're not there anymore. Well, there will be something <laughs> again. You, you thought <laughs> Eva Boca who's one of the most famous models out of Calgary to come all the way to Vancouver. I remember that for this future oh, oceans event. My yeah. heart. Oh, I, it was like the, it was so celebrity guys. You can't my heart. We got boats. We got outside. We got fashion show with beautiful women, like rich people wanting to play and have fun together and brought choice. them all together. Catherine, like one person, how you affect so many people, but yet put it to <laughs> You know, really, it's like the same thing. Like, I think that's why you connected with our goofy side. You're like, oh, she just like wants to connect with people. And like the creative is really just to connect. Okay. And I feel the same with you where it's like, yes, the creative is very important to you. You went to school for it, for goodness sake. But I think the relationships are the most important part of who you are. Yeah. Community is so essential. And being able to build a community with people who share the same values, because 
like attention has never been my thing. I've never, I've never wanted people's attention. I'd rather be alone and have time for myself to regroup, but there's something so incredibly powerful about getting a community of people together who are, they, they believe something the same way. They have the same value system. They, you know, they're, they're inspired by something together. That's powerful. And that I love. And, you know, just speaking to your earlier point about like just the, the pace of life. And I think there's a difference. I had to find the difference between adrenaline and energy. Like I was living in this adrenaline world, a 16 hour day was like, that was a good day for me. I was like, Oh, I worked, I worked enough today. I put in 16 full hours, didn't get home till midnight. I did a good day. You know, like I was on a weird path of just like working constantly because I was so passionate about what it was we were producing. And then after a while I had to stop and think, what are we producing that I'm working 16 hours a day for? Because that's a lot of energy to pour into something. What if, what if I poured that much energy into something I really believed in, you know, and that would, those were the kinds of questions I had to ask myself. And then recognizing the difference between just loving the adrenaline of doing something that's almost impossible and and succeeding. That's very addictive. Uh And then also knowing when, like, what does it feel like to actually have energy as opposed to just being pushed by your own adrenaline, your own, like, yeah, you know, need to accomplish something. Because once you achieve something big, then yet people want to do it again. And they, yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and that's the thing too. I saw that within you that from the first to even future oceans, it got to the point where you're doing it bigger and bigger. And I was like, I was like, wow, like she's like New York. <laughs> A little scary <laughs> it was scary yes i was like what was who is cool. this gal yeah. like not, no one does it this serious and at that pace that you did so i say like honey you did so much for the community you're a community leader in the arts so you changed a lot of people's oh, lives just by you. touching them by including them uh to be a part of something that you know they maybe would never get to be a part of unless like they even knew you or whatnot but uh that it's not over, you know, you're just on a different path. No. And you're still helping people at a grander scale even now. So the CBC uh, job, you know, when you got to Edmonton, just as a person, you know, you're thinking, okay, things are slowing down in Calgary anyway. It was a good decision to go there because once COVID hit, everything was timely. So it's just like, you're a smart cookie for feeling that before it happened. But you know, what is your passion at the moment? You know, maybe when you're not doing CBC, what else are you, are, are you up to within Edmonton? You can share. Well, I'm actually glad you asked that. Cause I've got a few things, uh, baking in the old brain. Yeah. I've got some ideas, but it just doesn't, it's not the right time to be announcing ideas for shows. Yeah. Um, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but for sure. Has, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just not quite the right time, but I've, show and I'm I'm kind of excited about it so I'll be I'll be working really closely with the team at Future Oceans again um, on a couple of these ideas and on a couple of them just just with NTA just with our little group of people at NTA which are for the most part almost exactly the same people you know it's just that we we separate those projects completely so 
Um, but they, you know, like Leah Galemba, for example, is just like, I can't leave her yeah, alone. Yeah. Every time I cry, my, my heart is. So, you know, it's like in that way, sometimes it's the same people working on the same projects. But, but yeah, I've got about uh, four projects in my brain right now that I'm just waiting for the right moment so that we can start to recruit again. Um, you know, there'll be smaller teams than the last, last time we recruited 180 people. That was a lot for Future Oceans. So this time uh, it'll be less, it'll be small, <laughs> tiny cohorts, if you will. Um, but, but the idea is we've, over the last year, because of the challenges and not being able to do anything live, we've learned a lot about technology. Um, so we figured out a few platforms, you know, just still figuring out a lot, but I've learned that there's a new way to do things and I just need to really embrace that. And actually my work at Alberta Women Entrepreneurs has helped me sort of frame that, find a, vo a vocabulary for that feeling that I'm having, that I need to embrace this world of technology that I, that kind of makes my head want to explode because I don't really understand what it is. Yeah. Um, but the work that they're doing is literally, is literally that for Alberta Women Entrepreneurs. They're literally coaching them through those processes. So by, by being a part of that, group and being being their marketing specialist I'm able to see like I, the way I'm feeling is the way a lot of people are feeling and there's actually resources out there to help you make the flip to take the things that you were doing in person before and turn it into a something virtual so yeah so that's what that's where I'm going with this and I'm starting to think in terms of screens you know and and screenings as opposed to yeah, creating like a documentary or creating the fashion show into a video and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can so see much that. you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, that it just everyone's life has changed so much. The artists, the musicians, are not able to play like literally not uh, yeah. in each city at different times. I'm noticing that there's a lockdown in Alberta and then BC is more open and then it's more locked down there. It's just getting to the point where it's like, where are people supposed to start when they yeah. still have these dreams? I feel like the energy is very off in the world because people are so confused what they can achieve. And I say, guys, Listen to Catherine, I guess, you know, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork behind the scenes planning that takes yes, to get to the product actually being out itself. So I think if people look inward a bit more, and like you said, check out this uh, researching technology differences groups that help that, uh, that's really great that you shared that with us. Um, or, you know, and even like, just sorry, but I was just thinking like, even like if anybody ever wanted to reach out to Matt or I, like if, if there's any creative professionals out there who just aren't sure where, what, where to go next or how to pivot what they've been doing, you know, into this new world, um, we would be so open to having those conversations because, you know, in a way that's kind of the sense of responsibility that, that we've felt, which is the reason why we came together and called ourselves NTA was because we felt like we needed to support creatives that they didn't have a support yeah, system and they sort of, they need an organization an incorporated organization that is willing to back them, you know, and, and write them a support letter if they need it, or explain how <laughs> contracts work or introduce them to a copyright lawyer. That's literally why we originally formed. Um, and then we just ended up doing production after production after production and kind of getting caught up in it. But ultimately, that's how we see our NTA community is that um, the people that we work with repeatedly 
um, you know, a couple hundred people that we're constantly pulling from, from that community. We call it our NTA community, but really it's just the larger community of creative people that we've worked with before. Yeah. Um, but those people, we feel we have a responsibility to support them in any way. So, and I don't know where that sense of responsibility comes from. I think it's just something that, that we, we want for the world that we did, that we saw didn't exist before. Well, everybody needs that support. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're doing this or not, but are you putting your NTA into a program? I uh, don't mean to copy anybody, but uh, I just <laughs> worked with Story Hive and they did kind of what you're talking about, where it was a program to help people guide them through their project that they're trying to put through. So I think that's the next step for that's you. That's a beautiful idea. You know, I would like, oh, I would probably first, if that exists, the first thing I would do is send people there. Um, you know, like we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We just want to make sure people know how to get the resources that they need. You know, like we're not necessarily experts in all of those, in all of the fields, but, but we can tell you, um, yeah, we can connect. There people. is not that for, uh, what you do for marketing, for creating like self, you know, publishing all this stuff um, only for film story hive is yeah. great for that, but there isn't for like what you, what you're doing. You like have to start it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Probably but I'll talk to you about it after. I love it. <laughs> if you connect with them. Because I'm seeing to myself like, Oh goodness, <laughs> you and me, when we get talking about ideas, right. No, exactly. kind of like the next step for you would be, yeah. Filming the process of doing your next fashion show. That oh yeah. That'd be fun or whatever. But uh, for what you're doing for CBC, Let's talk about that. Sure. Marketing specialty, you find leads, like stories. You go out and find stories for CBC. What does that entail? Um, yeah, again, I just feel really fortunate to have that position. Um, I don't think it's something that really uh, necessarily existed, at least um, here at this time in this way. Um, but they had a couple of projects that they were working on that their different editorial teams were working on. Um, and the projects were spanning a couple of months. And so they, they needed to keep a constant flow of community interest and stories and like what's happening out there. Um, which, and it's hard to do that um, when you have a small team and you know you have to stay on top of other really big stories as well that are constantly breaking. Mm -hmm. So they, they just, they needed someone to go out there and actually just put in time with the community. Um, so it's amazing where you find leads um, they're not, they're, they're almost never where you set out to uh, go. Yes. This is something that I learned, you know, I would, I'd be like, okay, you know, you, there's a particular framework or some parameters that I have to work around. And then I, I try to find something within that. And I would reach out to people in the community and have conversations with them. And then I would find the rabbit hole. And that's what I'm looking for is that conversation with that person. And all of a sudden they start taking you down a rabbit hole and telling you a story about something that you've never heard of before. And it's like, there it is. That's, That's the lead I was looking for. Yes. It's you never the be, first thing. You have to get out there in the community and it just kind of happens. Hey, like with yeah. being a great reporter or whatever, getting that story. It is. It's just knowing the people, the community, being there at the right time. Like that takes a lot within. It's so much energy, up, right? You know, to be alert and listening and all that stuff. I think you're perfect for that role. It's wow. so fun. It's like the most fun I've ever had. And 
Um, and it just, yeah, it's time consuming. So I can see why they need someone to do it. Right. And you also have to be genuinely interested when you're talking to people, you know, like you have to be really, so that they keep telling you more and they have to trust you enough to tell you things that they maybe wouldn't have planned on telling you. So, so there is some relationship building there. And that is something that I really want people to feel is that they're, they're safe talking to me. And if you tell me that you don't want people to know this, then I'll just tell you, you know, okay you don't have to finish telling me that story then it's okay like I will I won't repeat that yeah. what do you want people to know you know like like what is the thing that you wish people knew and we have these amazing conversations and and then I take all that information and you know that's I, I have to gather a, a large amount of information and I take that back to the to the editorial teams and they go through it all and they pick and choose the ones that they feel are the most relevant and the most timely and you know, like out of a hundred, you know, maybe five or six of them will be used. And then I go back wow. and hit the streets again. Wow. So, I didn't know you're yeah. doing it like that. Wow. 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 Yeah. You're a CBC. I'm always in person you're on the phone. But yeah. Sounds like you're a reporter as well. Almost, almost not a reporter, but doing no work of it almost with them. But I'm not. And that's, what's so yeah. interesting about this particular role. And, and it really gave me a, a really deep understanding and appreciation for journalism as a whole and how the news is delivered because yeah. it is a huge team of people and they have a very specific role and journalists are journalists and copywriters are copywriters and uh, yeah. you know editorials it, it, that's the whole uh, whole team of people and producers are producers and if it didn't work that way um yeah we wouldn't be getting the quality news that we were getting it's pretty incredible i just i'm fascinated by it all so yeah i don't think a uh, tiny little of I'm here with would even know how it works to be a part of that unless they went to school for it or whatnot I didn't yeah. but but you but you're there and you're supporting and everything that you've done is kind of like led you to be able to be really good I do believe that. that way so that's it's I find like guys the struggle right we're all living that struggle especially as a woman right you walk in the door and you got to prove yourself or bat somebody away from being like inappropriate <laughs> I want to get into that. Like what okay. has been some struggles being a woman walking in the door, trying to be, you know, your own boss or a creative director marketing, uh, you know, what's something you could share that, you know, giving some inspiration to people to, you know, keep their ground and their wits about them. I think struggle is the right word. That's what it is for the most part. I think for a lot of people that I've spoken to, it is a struggle. And especially if you're um, a creative professional plus a woman, it's just, you know, it's even harder to kind of prove yourself out there. Um, creativity in general has always sort of been taken for granted. People, they love it. They appreciate it, but the they word, don't, uh, they don't feel that there's any time or, or yeah. payment required for it. You know? So, it so that's always been a fight. Once it's out, they value it, but the yes. struggle of the paperwork and setting it up. Yeah. People don't seem to want to pay for that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it hasn't been considered a, a real job or a real career until I think in my opinion, quite recently. So, and it, and it has taken people like you, you know, and people, other people that we know that have, have broken through um, to broken barriers and, and reached new levels with, with their work. I think it's taken that in order to be taken seriously. And I think you have to be a very resilient person to be a creative professional and a woman right now. You have to be willing to, to have a lot of doors slammed in your face, a lot of no's and a lot of, um, I don't know, 
people that don't believe you right off the bat you they know and you're just yeah. like come on if you did then i'd have that inspiration even behind it yeah <laughs> yeah so there's you kind of have to adapt this sort of failure is not an option mentality in order to keep pushing through that so um but with that said you know like that's all possible you you you're really yeah, you know, like it's possible. It, it's not easy all the time, but if you just sort of make a promise to yourself, I think it was back in college in the first few years, actually two, two instructors, there's Charles Lutenbrain and Jeff DeBoer, and both of them said something really meaningful to me. Um, Charles Lutenbrain, he said, the key to success is outlasting your competitors <laughs> and longevity. Well, I, I, it and has nothing to do with any <laughs> that was one lesson and um Jeff DeVore said um if you're going to be an artist you can't just play the game you have to keep score otherwise what's the point of playing the game like you'll never succeed as an artist unless you do the business side too mm-hmm. and it's like chocolate and you better love chocolate because it's chocolate for breakfast chocolate for lunch chocolate for dinner so you better love chocolate that was the other thing he used to say and that's that's being a professional artist yeah to so, suck it up kind of a, that's a man attitude just you gotta love it you gotta love it, you gotta love it is what he's saying like you better love it because you cannot stop doing it you cannot take breaks from it you're gonna have to prove yourself every single day if you're gonna be a professional artist you have to eat it eat it eat it believe it live it sleep it dream it like it's your yeah. life and I took that advice and I took Charles's advice too so just just outlast outwork my competitors outlast everybody just don't give up that's what I heard you know I heard don't give up don't stop working be resilient and love it don't stop loving it remember that you love it even when you hate it tell yourself how much you love it because you wouldn't be doing it and, and still trying to be in that creative field um and that's a bold thing being artists like I that's why I like to promote artists out of the most everyone has an amazing story and is struggling yeah. through whatever they're going of course but I always see that like putting yourself out there and then putting yourself out there where you're affecting somebody else by giving them an opportunity oh, yeah. a chance to be seen whatever I find that when it's media right and it gets out and most people more people see it the more impact it'll have on you as well so I always say to people if you are going to try to be an artist go for it. Like Bret Hart says, try to be the best, best of yourself, you know, and not comparing to people and all the the energies of trying to keep calm throughout the storm of trying to make it, you know, it's so funny how people, how they handle it. But I always see the same pattern. Somebody will have a dream. They'll be frustrated. They can't do it. Then they'll eventually gather that team. Then they'll happen. And then they're sad that it's over. And then something else comes up from that opportunity. And then they keep going. But there are people like you that seek those opportunities and to help people and also doing charity work um, and helping people back, which I really like that you do that with the planet and future oceans, I think is like a big thing for Canada actually. And it could be once you keep pushing another event and it's back on the math, like it'll be a big thing for people to want to be a part of more events when it comes out. So if you have things planned, we're coming, everything's open. We're coming. (laughs) (laughs) We always say that. Absolutely. Oh, you'll have the best seat in the house. I promise. (laughs) Oh yes. Always. (laughs) 
<laughs> classy and special for us when we're there. But, um, you know, I also had a few more questions for you about like, yeah. just when you wake up in the morning, is there a certain like lifestyle of an artist that keeps them on track? You know, is it the people in your life that are behind you? What is something we could tell the audience that, you know, throughout all these experiences you've done and the mental part behind it, what's the truth of what keeps you going? Wow, what a great question. I wonder what that is. Is it for creating in community or is it just like other people saying, Catherine, you said we have to do this. Or is it like just your drive to want to be present and a part of something? Like, you let us know. Do you know, I think it's interesting. I've always felt like I had a little bit of, um, I don't know, there's like a, I have a source of inspiration. I'm not sure where it comes from, but it feels like it's a little tap or something. And as long as I've got enough energy, that tap flows. And all I really need is I need alone time. I, I'm, I'm quite a introvert a home. I'm an introvert, 100%. And when I go out, I'm out and I'm there. I'm totally on. But then I go home and I disappear for like two or three weeks. You know, yeah, like I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, You're I go underground. Yeah. Off texting, yeah. Off the grid. So um, I need that time. It's like incubation time. And as mm-hmm. long as I have that, it's like a slow drip of energy you know, and it just, it takes me a little while to recover. And then the drip is there. And it's like, it's like a little river or something. And there's all these ideas. I can't stop the ideas. It's kind of ridiculous. And if there's music in my life at that time, God help us all, because I end up taking pieces of paper, right? Because I don't have whiteboards. If I did, maybe that's my dream house. It's just a house with nothing but whiteboards for all the walls, because I go around and I put pieces of paper up in all the different rooms of my house and each room becomes a different compartment of my brain uh, for this project. Yeah. And I I will fill a wall in a room, no problem with names of people that I want and why it has to be them and nobody else. And like examples of things that I want to happen. And this is inspired by that. I'll map out the community. Like I'll map out the seed community, you know, like with these people, I think we can... You know, like I figure all that out. Strange little stuff going on there, girl. Like I've always wanted to try that. I just don't know how to do it yet, but I've always wanted to. That's kind of crazy, eh? Whoever's connected, you have the same color. You need to have different strings. Hey, that's how you. I really want to try that. Yeah, you should. It's so awesome. Yeah, I've tried it once. It's it's very specific because the when you look at it right you understand so clearly like okay so these three people are achieving these three things and then these oh, I love it so doing it's like a task if you had one person here and they're the creative director but they're also going to handle this and this and then you, you you did your team or whatever so it's like don't do but this line would go to there if they had that job too you know what I mean yeah. We'll talk about that another time. Anyway. I'm, I love that. No, and it's tangible too. Right. So now I can work with, I can touch something while I think, which is another part of thinking. So I think like for creatives out there, if they're feeling like, you know, what's the point and like, you know, like everything's shut down and I just, I'm done, you know, like I'm hearing it constantly. And all I can say to you guys is just don't stop. Don't quit. Take a break. You know, like you have no choice right now. Some, some of them have no choice, but don't forget that you're a you're a creative person you're an artist inside you is this fountain of creativity you might not be able to do one thing for a little while but that brain 
mm-hmm. is on fire, do something else. Yeah. Um, you have to, sometimes life forces us to make a change and we just have to. And the beauty of being a creative person is that you can design your new life. You can still visit your old life, but you can create a new one. Yeah. And that's something that not everybody can say. Not everybody feels comfortable creating a new life, but creative professionals should feel more comfortable. They have that power within them, the ability to create something from nothing. And yes, we are in a crisis. There's no question about it. This is a global crisis and it's awful. And now more than ever, we must dig deep and find that inner calling and continue to create something. Even if you're just bake a cake, like, but make it an awesome cake. You know, like just feel good about creating, plant your garden, do things that you can do, do them in a creative way, paint your wall, even though you're not allowed, deal with it later, just break out a little bit, you know, and, and, and you'll find yourself again, but do not give up. Yeah. Find other avenues of creating. I I feel like a lot of the people within art too, you know, maybe who are used to being seen. So I say to people like, well, maybe not you know, if you're still a struggling or still getting there or aspiring, um, the energy in the world is saying not right now anyway. So maybe you won't, don't get seen, but don't, there's so much for actors behind the scenes. They have to do demo reels, headshots, learning the craft more, um, you know, doing scene work by themselves or with people virtually even like, just like with what you said, how much setup it takes and organization and you got your walls filled like girl, like who knew? I didn't know you. (laughs) And that's before I tell anybody, that's before I tell anybody. Cause I've always believed that once you talk about something, you kind of put it out there. Right. And if anybody else just happens to be a little bit more put together or have a bit more money in their pocket than you, they can grab it. And it's happened to everyone I know a million times. So nowadays, what I do is I plan it to perfection first. And then I draft up a one pager and I share it with everyone because I'm ready to go. I've got it all in the bag. It's lined up. We're ready to press go. So, and then it's just a matter of approvals and finding the money. So I do all the work for, well, I wouldn't say all of it, but a lot. I do a lot of prep work. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause once you've, cause then you engage your team and once you've engaged your team, well, now you've got you've got potentially five people who all need to contribute to that project too. And that's going to make more work for everybody. So, which is great because that's how things grow and become what they become. Yeah. Yeah. That's things are happening then. So, but in the beginning, yeah. When you have an idea and I'll say this to all anybody who's out there, artists, if you have an idea and you love your idea, you need to document that idea heavily and protect it because if you don't it belongs to the first person who writes it down honestly intellectual property is such a tricky subject and that was something that I learned a lot about you know and and what the biggest lesson that I learned is protect your ideas and never let somebody else own your uh hard drive like your (laughs) access to your google accounts or anything because because we have a tendency to save things in our, in our business accounts, right. That are not always related to that business. So if you lose those accounts then you lose those files, so protect your intellectual property, never let anybody else inadvertently own things that you created just because they happen to live somewhere else, you know, cause then you can't get them back. You can't even ask yeah. for it. 
So just make sure you're putting everything, you're starting things where they need to be started. And if it's your idea, make sure that it's your document with your name on it that kicks it off. And then everybody else can join. You can have a hundred people on a project. It's fine. Just make sure that you don't lose your part in it because it can be taken away so easily. And it does get taken away. As soon as somebody else comes into the picture, they're like, okay, here we go. These are my ideas. And that's so wonderful. And people will be like, why you didn't do this idea? Like for the magazine. Oh my God. I'll have so many people messaging me in a negative way saying, why you don't do this person? Why don't you know me? And I feel, I say like, did you speak to me? Like, did we have a conversation where you reached out to me even to to do it? They just think like, you should do this. Why don't you do that? You should talk about this person and this. And I'm like, um, guys, this is like what I do. Um, okay. Like everyone's idea is going to be different, but that's, yeah can be fun <laughs> it can be it's fun. true it can be yeah. like-minded is very important actually people managing is not easy no do you think people need like in any project if they're putting out a, a contented project do you think having a marketing specialist or um you know somebody behind the scenes kind of doing it's line producing is kind of what you do with putting it all together in film it's called a line producer do okay. you think it's that important to have multiple roles in that instead of just someone trying to do everything by themselves. A hundred percent. I do. You know, if you have the, sometimes you have no choice, you know, you've got three people and everybody has to wear six hats and that's just, you know, sometimes that's just the project, but if you ever have the opportunity to build out your team properly and assign a person, a particular role, that's the way to go, you know, make someone your marketing specialist, someone should be your project manager, someone is in charge of your bookkeeping, someone is in charge of fundraising, you know, and all of those outside opportunity sponsors, someone, one person should be in charge of that, because that's, that's, that's relationship management, those are conversations that need to stay on a certain level with a certain tone with a certain type of information all needs to be managed. So, My advice is when one person owns that role, and if especially if they're excited about that role and they feel that they're good in that role and they can bring something to that role, you will be a hundred times more successful than just making one person do three things that they don't feel confident about. Two of those things are going to get dropped because, because they're just humans. And, and if you don't understand something or something stresses you out or makes you tense or nervous about doing it, you're not going to be very good at it just you know we're coming into it like that. yeah we're good at things we feel empowered about so if you've got a coach or a mentor who's able to work with you side by side on that then maybe you feel a bit better and you can do it but if you're all alone trying to figure something out all by yourself it's no, going to be very difficult it's difficult and lonely i know but at yeah home, it is lonely and overwhelming yeah so i say yeah so i guess what we're saying to people is if you have a dream and a project even if it's just just for you Try to find support because collaborate. Alone. Yeah, I love that. You know, that's good. I was yeah. I one of my questions was asking you, who is your mentor? Oh, who mentored you through school or where you're at now? Like, I I don't know if you could say one person. Probably like you had you already said quite a few people, but uh, were your teachers the one that really mentored you to be professional in that way, or you know? Who's helped along the way? I would say like big mentors, like through childhood, it would be Lisa Vitiz. I looked up to her so much. Um, that was the original owner of Lux Magazine before Lynn um, 
took it over. So I, but, but she kind of represented, um, it was the lifestyle of being a producer and just managing all those people. And I was fascinated, like, I mean, from a young kid, you know, just was fascinated by just the idea of, of what she did. So I think I, she probably, I was a role model for me and then mentorship maybe um, in college would definitely be like Charles Lutenbrain, Sarah Beth Carnett, Jeff DeBoer, of course. Um, Jeff DeBoer probably is one of the few people that I would still consider in my life to be a mentor. That's someone that I would ask advice on a professional level from. Um, but even then, like I, I do that very rarely, you know, but if I did, that's someone I would trust. Um, and Leah Galemba, a peer, um, but also a mentor to me, someone that I, I would go to if I, if I wasn't sure about something or needed to know, you know, if something was good or bad, those are people that I would, the truth. I would, there's my touch, my touch points. Yeah. The, the really, when it really matters. Um, and then nowadays, I mean, my, I mean, my current employers are pretty fabulous. Jessica Chan is one of the directors of CBC. I'm, I'm amazed that I get to work under her right now. So I'm learning a lot from her. She's an incredible project manager, like to a level I've never seen before. And I just feel lucky to be managed by her. <laughs> um, and now Marcella Mandeville from Alberta Women Entrepreneurs, you know, she's a champion for, for Aboriginal rights and women's rights and um, first um, Native American rights and just an incredible, powerful woman um and an advocate for for female entrepreneurs which is just um awesome it's something it's that we really to put need. them up it's so important so, we'll, we'll yeah. get them in the magazine all those people yeah. there you go those are good people yeah <laughs> yeah definitely they must be really proud of you you know like while they watch this or hear this i hope that they do um oh i hope so that would be my hope <laughs> yeah i i hope in my mind that with what I do with putting out stories as well, that um, it's not just about the story and making somebody out there famous or whatever. It's about like when the people and their family listen to it and they go, wow, yeah. you've really come a long way, you know? And then when you mention them, they just like want to cry inside, like, oh my God, I mattered. Oh! Like it makes people feel, um, you know, that all that they did, you know, whatever they did for you or the sacrifice or giving you free advice or all this stuff that really helped you that you put, you know, you took it and now you're still going. They're going to appreciate that they supported somebody that, you know, made something of themselves. And that actually in turn makes them feel good about themselves that all that they've struggled through, um, at least somebody benefiting uh, even if they don't feel like they did or something, because artists never feel like they've made it. It's just how it is with, with artists. But uh, yeah, it's wonderful. You know, I love that you give uh, homage to other people. And I'm always saying that about you when I talk to people. Like, you're kind of somebody <laughs> like, I don't like to throw out, oh yeah, I work with her. But like when it comes up, you know, I'll be like, yes, um, I, I have worked with her a few times. Yes, uh, she's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> But like, I respect our relationship so much. Like I've never shared nothing we've ever said to, to anyone, you know, and you've just been such a beautiful friend and mentor to me. So even interviewing today is pretty like, oh my God, like I just remember the day that I messaged you and was like, okay, this Catherine lady, she is the top. I have to have her in my magazine. Like 
she's doing all of this stuff. It doesn't, it's not right to interview somebody at the bottom, you know, like I like to do from the person who organized something down. And uh, I was just so nervous to meet you. And when I met you, I felt like, oh my God, she's so cool. And she accepts me. So hopefully um, people in their life realize, yeah, I should get myself a mentor and, you know, but organically, you know, not just sought out a mentor. Like I want to find you. But uh, in life, you know, be open to people helping you because, um, oh, yes, it could be where you're at now, you know, those right? perspectives yeah, are so important. <laughs> Anjil, you know, I just want to say how much I appreciate you and what you do for the community as well. No, I just want a minute to say this because you are, <laughs> you are an amazing person and what you have done to elevate other people in their careers and what you're doing for me today. Oh. Thank you so much. You allow people to tell their stories and you're right. That is one of the most important and meaningful gifts you could give to someone. So thank you for that. And for doing that for so many amazing people who definitely deserved it by the look of it. So I'm really, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. You're getting me emotional. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, it's more just like seeing other people happy is what makes me happy. You know, and I can't always be a part of everything, you know, and sometimes people say, oh, I want you to be a part of this in a big way, or I want you to cover this or, or whatever that I do. And I, and I can't do it, but I'm always watching everybody. And when it's right, you know, I always, you know, if I have a relation with them, you know, I reach out to them, but I kind of reached out to you today because we're giving her with the next issue. So our last issue um, went to, um, it had Jordan Gooden on it and uh heartland amber marshall and we worked with awesome we worked with cbc we do the magazine works with the pr team uh, out of toronto actually and we just love them tegan and, and the whole team joanna for podcasts i just think they're so cool and i love supporting what they do because they support women quite a bit but eventually they came to me and I, I promote their people, but we had your oh, ad so lovely. Your oceans that had Zev, uh, no, not Zev Abosh, uh, Andra Schramm's photos underwater. Yep. Oh my God, people. When you see oh, photos yeah. from this event and what they did to promote it. Um, we had that in that issue and it was the Alberta film awards. I think it was two years ago now. And we had the most amazing yeah. time and everybody took home the magazine. Every single awesome. one. Of them. So this year we're putting it to, to chapters because um, the timing. Oh, how exciting! Mm -hmm. But we're putting it out to chapters again. So Great. get you in this issue. Ah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how exciting, but, um, Whenever you you know need me, that's you amazing. let me know. But you know I'm not always there because you know we're so far away. But um, I am here today and and really proud of what you've achieved and to know you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I want to ask. Um, you. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I ask you a, little, a few more questions. The people sure. that you've been, you know, riding your life with for the past five years. What? Yeah. When the people are still with you, what is the quality? What is like the reason that people keep connected and you still have that? Oh, I love them feeling in your heart for you. Um, you know, the friends that ha you have around you, what are the qualities for real that really make you stand by people and, and love them? Well, um, <laughs> it's kind of a big question. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a good question though, because you know, like there's, 
there's people who have stayed with me kind of in my heart that I don't necessarily talk to very often, you know, but they're still, it feels like they're right there, you know? And then there's people who are literally right there, like, um, you know, at the, at the end of my phone on a daily basis, like, like Matt and Leah and people that I just, I come constantly in contact with. There's not very many of those. There's just maybe like three or four people that I'm like that with where I won't even say hello. I'll just fire off ideas to them in a text. <laughs> oh, me too. People sometimes are like, yeah, hi. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. Hello. No. How are you? No. Just, what do you think about this? But, but, and then, yeah, but I think the people who are still in that, that circle, that sort of circle in my mind would be people who I trust people who I feel that I have the same values as like we've we've had enough conversations and we've been through enough experiences that I already know how they would react to things that plays a part into trust I mean you don't you never know how someone will react to something but like you feel like you know um in the moment you know if you were faced with something together you trust that they would feel the same way you would or want to do the same thing you would you know like those are people it's almost like an unspoken understanding yeah yeah where you're those people because I I am a you know and I think maybe a lot of us creative professionals we're we're different types of people you know we're not always out there and we don't like superficial conversations and you know we know it's important to network and and get out there but like you know we don't (laughs) I, I just don't like having disingenuous conversations with people. So, so I have the people who are still close to me, like you um, are people that I, I just, I feel like we can have a genuine, authentic conversation right away, immediately, you know, like Zev, 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 Zev Bosch is another one. Um, Edward yeah. Ross, people I've worked with a lot in the past. Um, Yvonne Arsenal, just people that I would immediately, our conversation would be How are you? authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It would be real. It wouldn't be like, so what's, you know, new, it would be like, how are how you? you know, how's your, yeah. how's this going? How's that going? Like we would know. Yeah. You know them and, and you keep in touch in that sense and you know of them and care. Yeah. Yeah. We're not like, so what have you been doing for the last five years? I guess I saw you on Facebook. I just don't I have time to explain <laughs> what I've been doing. Like I just like, don't if, have time. If you don't know, you're not in my life. Like get out. Like, just like, like my picture. What are you drinking right now? That's all I really want to know. Like, <laughs> like let's. Yeah, yeah. Let's get right down to up. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, and that and that's kind of like what stirs you to like create too. I think is the people. Like I've seen you sometimes when you just meet somebody and you end up doing a project just from the connection or the conversation you're like hey we should do this and you create something that you're going to do together on that spot too we've done that a few times and it's like yeah totally that's the I love it. part of like achieving together that's what I like the most is just seeing somebody achieve but it's not just the okay we did this it's out because after it's out it's done it's done yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, on to the yeah. next and there's a lull in between or whatever like when you're on set as an actor and then the series ends you know it's just if you really care about that kind of stuff some people can just move on and, and it's good they're very very professional in that way but some people you just get so low and you there's nothing to come or something right so that's oh yeah I mean. well, we all feel it is prepare yourself for when things are opening 
and, you know, keep being a creative, right? The journey is the destination. I know it's a cliche, but it's the truth. I think about raw talks. Remember when we did that and future oceans, I think of those two in that way. Like it was all about, it was about that meeting we had at the hotel arts around the pool, you know, where all of us professionals came together and we talked about what is raw talks? What's important? What do we need to change about the industry? That's what it was all about. And then we, we worked up into the day, you know, we, we shot everybody giving their presentations, which was so powerful, yeah. but then it was over, right? Then it was done. Yeah, and then because it was like, oh my God, really, we did so much work. Yeah. It was about the two months before that. It was about the conversations we were having that were so important. Like, like, like Natalka speaking on mental health, you know, like Eva or her, like her speech that she gave, like they were incredibly powerful. And it was really about the journey of them creating that presentation, deciding what they needed, what they needed to put out there into the world. What was their raw talk about? What did they really want to tell people? It was about the two, two months before it wasn't about the event itself. Right. Same with future oceans. Future Oceans was about the year before. It was about all of those people, you know, like representing ocean conservation for the year before the show and then showing up for the show. That's all it was. And then once the show was over, I mean, all we did was reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. And you had lots of photos from it. You know, I never even like deep dived into how that event went for you guys. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) And it still is. It's still happening. So Yeah. So we're definitely working on the next show for sure. I just don't know when we'll be able to set a date for it, but there will be a, there will, there will be a fashion show, but there will also be other productions. Um, we're still working with the Nanaimo Contemporary Ballet very closely. So um, I would, I would like to do another production with them. That is Future Oceans. Um, we're working with some incredible media producers as well. Um, motion graphics animators, people like that. So I'm very excited about the potential of those ideas that we've been discussing I'm so excited to talk about it yeah <laughs> I'm dying to tell you I'll tell you what I'll tell you when we stop recording because yeah. I'm so excited about it <laughs> but then as soon as as soon as I've got my one pager ready you'll be we the first one out something else <laughs> we'll keep the audience letting uh letting them know what you're up to because everybody wants to kind of book okay you know for next year this event's happening that like everybody wants to get out and connect again. It's been a huge detrimental. I think that will be, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you're right. It's going to be a big boom once it's, once it's, and we're going to have to be careful of that a little bit. The, the, the production boom. (laughs) A lot of people like wanting, I know before I remember like, even with the fashion shows, like people being like, yeah, you have to pay to come. <laughs> like, yeah, guys, it's like a lot of money we put into it. They'd be like, what? We need to pay. That sucks. And I just remember like how people used to talk about it, but everybody would just like pay anyway, you know, obviously who went to be a part of it. Like, I remember when I came to the make fashion show and there was a, you had first time had a musician playing on the stage, a side stage of the thing. And then I had, I thought it was like so cool coming to, I was like, this is my LA right now. This is the experience that you would get. Like, I think I was, I was hanging out with a girl named Jenna Nicole, who's a very famous makeup artist and beautiful. looks like Megan Fox kind of from Calgary, but now in LA. And I had hung out with her and a girl named Lindsay, I think. And we had pre hung out or whatever. And I'd showed her the magazine that she was in. We did some photo. And then we went to this event. And I just remember this event walking with, in with her and we sat and it was like a 
fashion show. It, the the lot the rows were so full and yeah. we're all together. And like that would never happen probably anymore the way how many people were in that room at once. Um like a thousands of people were I think there was like a thousand people in the room or something. It's probably close to that yeah. seven or eight hundred. And the lights went down and then every and the photographer, like every photographer in town was for any event of yours, it's like whoosh, they all show up and it's like a big deal. And then the photos come out from all these different photographers on Facebook for forever, even still now. I saw Paul Spinard posting about fashion and he made a new group on yep. Facebook. Oh, he's been to every, every show. Going. Every show. Like, Catherine, come back, inspire us. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It hasn't been oh. the same since you've left, for real. The fashion industry with, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about that, you know, but this guy, Troy, that was trying to work with you a lot and he was like a criminal or weird or something and it was oh like, i never worked with him but no yeah. he never did but he was yeah. trying to do what you did or something create create mm-hmm. fashion shows and really just being creepy with girls or something <laughs> you know that. i'm sure he said nothing i was innocent but the girls would say no but i just Good. remember thinking to myself like well thank god Catherine was a part of this and a woman and was just trying to help people you know like there is a there's sometimes within entertainment there's the struggle right of oh is there ever getting in the bad scenes so uh i just felt like yeah you, you really brought together the community in a professional yeah. way and made an impact on people's careers being published i know olga sam got published from your thing i remember her posting yeah. the pictures being there and she had a few dresses i think there and she couldn't believe she got published and then she got famous after that after that article came out from that fashion show i can't remember what year it was 2016 17 and uh yeah it changed her life so you've impacted people more than you know we're frozen a little bit. 